edition of the Shoe Speak HR podcast. Um, you've got myself, Andy Graham, and Amy Leach with you today. Hi, Amy. Hi, Andy. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all good. You? Good. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. So today we're going to talk about the consultation that the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, otherwise known as uh, BES, concluded in February 21 earlier this year. Um, now, the consultation uh, was on measures to reform post-termination non-compete clauses in employment contracts. Um, a non-compete clause normally works to restrict an ex-employee's uh, ability to work for a competitor or to set up their own business, which, which competes with their previous employer. Um, and, and these restrictions will generally apply for a defined period of time post-termination. So when currently drafting and preparing a non-compete clause to go within an employment contract or a service agreement, as the case may be, um, employers have to balance protecting the legitimate interests of the business against the ex-employee's freedom to work and trade. Um, and, and the general starting point is that they are unenforceable unless drafted reasonably. So that's the question which is often on businesses' mind is, is what is reasonable for this particular role, for this particular individual? How senior are they? What level of contact do they have with customers and clients and everything else? Um, and it can be a real minefield. Um, and, and what I often find is businesses don't really pay that much attention to it. Um, so the question is, do we need reform in this area? Um, and obviously that's something that the consultation that was done has, has looked at. So there, there are hoops um, that an employer has to jump through to show the enforceability of such clauses. And, and some of those I've just kind of talked about in terms of, you know, looking at the individual role and what they do and, and how they do it. Um, so those, those are something that needs to be looked at um, when, when looking to enforce a restrictive covenant against a particular individual um, and that's something that a court will try and determine um, and it's never an easy task so I guess Amy is the consultation gonna solve all this for us? Gonna fix it and make it easy I mean that'd be nice wouldn't it if, uh, if it could I mean I suppose just to add to kind of your background to, to these types of clauses so currently the law relating to non-compete clauses has been solely developed to date through case law so there's no actual kind of statute out there that tells us how long they can be for or how to make them enforceable um, and the Department for Business Energy and Industrial Strategies they're now considering these various reforms um, so some of the reforms include employers having to make a payment to the employee for a period of the restriction for it to be enforceable so I know a number of other jurisdictions across the world do something like this or have something like this in place um, to make payments uh, or to make uh, the restrictions enforceable by providing a payment during the course of it. Um, one of the other reforms is enhancing transparency where non-compete clauses are, are used, so disclosing that exact non-compete term uh, prior to the start of the employment relationship. And I mean, I'd say this generally probably happens in practice already because you get your employment contract or you might have a discussion with your employer um, and you'll potentially see that you've got restrictions in there or you're as an employer you're wanting to put restrictions in an employee's contract um, but I think the reform is to make that even clearer so maybe it'd have to go into offer letters um, and be or at interview stage potentially so just bringing it as early as possible um, and then another reform is to look at placing statutory limits on the length of non-compete clauses so actually putting into 
legislation a non-compete can be no longer than x months or x years otherwise it's just automatically unenforceable regardless of the kind of interests it's trying to protect um, and the kind of final reform that the consultation looked at was whether we should just remove them altogether so just get rid and just don't have non-compete clauses in our contracts um, I mean, taking kind of the first sort of reform that they're looking at, so the costs associated um, with the reform at point one, so namely employers having to make a payment to the employee for the period of the restriction for it to be enforceable. Um, I think this would probably deter employers from imposing lengthy restrictions, um, although it potentially may incentivize employees to sign up um, if they know they're going to actually get a payment um, whilst they're prevented from seeking further work after termination. Um, it might incentivize them as well not to challenge restrictions on termination even if they do last for a year or 18 months or so um, after they leave the company. My, my problem in terms of the timing of the payment of any consideration for entering into a restrictive covenant is if it's done at the beginning um, when somebody entered into a contract which is effectively how they do it on the continent um, then that's all very well and good but but often when when an individual leaves an organization the staring down the gauntlet mm-hmm. of, of not having a salary come in for x months is the challenge and leads to individuals going off and, and breaching restrictions and looking to you know because they can't they just can't not be paid for a period of time so i, I wonder whether a better method would be uh, and who am i to to tell the government on how they should implement things but a better method maybe to have a kind of nominal consideration at the beginning of the contract yeah with yeah. a further payment made at the end of the contract so there is some cash for the individual to be able to utilize in the period of the restriction um question whether that would work mm, or not mm. but that's certainly an idea which for me would be um make it more likely that an individual would would respect their restrictive covenant and and not compete for that period of time yeah i think that's a really good point andy and um i think employees may see that they're actually receiving like a fair settlement like you say if they receive that additional compensation on exit um and they've got that money then to tide them over in the six months the 12 months that they are restricted from um, applying or working or, or being involved with any other business um, so I think it might also reduce the amount of litigation we see potentially because um, ex-employees may feel less inclined to, to breach them like you say if they've got that payment at the end and they've got that payment to tide them over um, I mean how would it be calculated I think that's quite an interesting question how do you calculate this compensation payment if we're going to call it that um, I mean the consultation sort of views on that um, and also whether employers should have the option to waive a non- non-compete clause early um, so the ex-employee would obviously be released then from the restriction and the employer is also released from having to make the payment so I think it would if this does get introduced it'd be quite interesting from our perspective and employer's perspective when we're drafting these employment contracts and how we factor all of this in um, and actually if there is a payment how is it calculated um, and does it is it calculated on basic salary for example does it include benefits is it salary from the last month before they leave or does it have to be an average over their whole employment it's it raises quite a few questions um and again sort of as i mentioned i know many other jurisdictions do pay compensation um during the restriction period so i suppose why couldn't it work here in the uk um but it's all those things to think about and when that payment's made i think sort of from our discussions it's clear that's going to be really important yeah it'd be interesting you know because it it would flip as well the the, the kind of 
challenge at the moment is quantifying what the damages are. Yeah. If, if you are looking to sue somebody for Compensate, a breach of it, yeah. you speak to clients and they say, well, okay, yeah, we want to go after Joe Bloggs for this. He is clearly working for our direct competitor. That breaches are, and and that that's only half of the battle because the other the other battle is actually demonstrating the loss and and being able to quantify that. So it, you know, kind of it goes to your point exactly is how do we quantify mm. reasonable consideration is and and obviously that's it's a slightly different test, but it's still something that that requires employers to apply their minds. Um, and the statutory time limit, um, mm, which is interesting. I think that's interesting. Yeah, um, I, I instantly I'm I'm of the mindset that employers would always opt for the maximum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as a general rule of thumb, when you are speaking to clients, drafting contracts, they want the maximum. Um, you know, kind of what is deemed reasonable at the moment, and often more. And and you have to kind of explain to clients often that less is more in these situations and you know kind of you need to make sure it is reasonable but yeah I, w I wonder whether actually you know kind of if a statutory time limit um then correlates into how much payment has mm. to be made that that may regulate people you know and say well actually okay if we're going to go for the statutory maximum that means we've got to pay more um, so therefore, actually, on reflection, we perhaps don't need to go that far. We do think we would be able to replace said individual. We would be able to, you know, kind of carry on providing our clients with the service that that they need, you know, so as not to to lead them into the hands of a competitor. So, yeah, all all very interesting. Um, and 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 I guess if it reduces the number of claims um, that that are made by employers you know challenging their ex-employees then then that that has to be a benefit you know because the cost you know kind of the, the financial cost but the, the the cost in terms of time as well for organizations to to pursue these kind of claims is extraordinary um and it it, it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of focus away from the business um at a time when when actually you know kind of often the best advice to clients is is get your arms around your clients, give them a big hug, make sure they know they're still loved and that you've got somebody who's coming to, you know, kind of deliver the services in the same way that they always have been. Um, you know, so if if it stops that, then then I think that's, you know, that, that has to be a good thing, I guess, from the government's mm. perspective, having less people in courts is always a good, it's a say it's an efficiency, isn't it? So um, interesting to see how, how that pans out as well. The other interesting section that I looked at was that you know kind of whilst this is specifically focused on non-compete clauses um, the consultation does ask whether similar reform would be applied to other post-termination mm. restrictions such as non-solicitation, non-dealing, non-poaching um, so, so it may be that you know kind of a broader overhaul of the law you know kind of can't be ruled out at this stage. Um, the challenge for me there would be how is one size going to fit all? Um, you know, which, which again is, you know, kind of has to be the starting point. You need to kind of address each industry, each individual, each role, you know, kind of on its merits and, and not just apply this broad brush approach, which um, there is a danger of doing if if it's going to be government led um, by legislation. So interesting, interesting times ahead. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I think sort of as you were talking through that and obviously talking about time limits and would people always opt for the maximum, reduce the number of claims potentially, but I mean, like you say, should it should it focus on on the wider picture? Because non-competes, whilst they are useful to employers and one protection, they're not the only protection that employers um, seek. And actually, they might employers might be more worried about um, their key key directors being poached or their key salespeople being poached, as opposed to somebody going to work for a competitor. Um, so yeah, no, really interesting. I mean, that brings me on, I guess, to to the kind of the reform that's saying, well, should we just ban them all together? Should we just remove them? Um, and again, the kind of Department, so for business, energy, industrial strategies, they argue that that banning non-competes altogether would actually boost innovation um, and competition and may actually provide greater certainty for all parties. And I suppose on one hand it would because you know that there's no restriction and you're not having to worry about if it's enforceable, if it's reasonable. Um, but equally, I would argue that actually many employers are probably going to feel strongly about protecting their business. And actually, if you remove non-competes, there is maybe uncertainty for that employer because they're not sure then what that employee is going to do when their employment ends and are they going to go work for a competitor and suddenly the the employer that once had all these customers now doesn't and I think actually yes on one hand it might create greater certainty in terms of uh, the contractual kind of obligations post-termination on within that contract but actually practically I think it probably creates a lot of uncertainty um, especially for the employer. So um, again, the consultation kind of notes that that approach um, has actually been taken in other countries, so like Israel and California, um, each of which are, are home. I think they sort of quote the world's most innovative organisations um, and actually where respectively non-complete clauses have very limited enforceability or, or are void. Um, so again, it's kind of they sort of acknowledge the arguments against prohibiting the use of them altogether, um, including that they may help protect legitimate business interests um, and they may help prevent harm to an employer. Um, again, through an example such as like misuse of confidential information after the employment ends. So I think if we were to ban them all together, it potentially would maybe cause more trouble um, for employers, especially. Um, and actually, by putting in maybe one of the other measures that we've already spoken through, that's probably a better way um, to give employees a bit more protection and a bit more maybe support when looking at restrictive covenants and their enforceability. But I'm not quite sure whether they should disappear altogether from the contracts. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it, it... I guess it seems unlikely that 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 would be the outcome, but you know, kind of, a, and it would be controversial. Um, mm. You know, lots of organisations do do rely on them, um, and and I guess organisations responding to the consultation will will more than likely have made those points. Um, you know, so where we don't want to get to is businesses being deterred from investing in research and development in the first place. Um, you know, if they feel that the fruits of their labour are not going to be protected. Um, and the other kind of angle to this is you may cause problems within the workforce about kind of allowing certain people access to things and kind of that open culture, a closed culture, you know, some some members of the workforce who are trusted who you know kind of won't just up sticks and leave and others that are not and and how that kind of maybe creates a two-tier workforce within organizations um you know so uh, for me i think you know kind of just taking them out completely would would undermine the government's you know principal objective of removing barriers to innovation and economic activity mm. um, so if if reform 
you know, kind of is coming. I, I suspect it's likely to be um, more down the lines of the, of the mandatory compensation option. Um, so we shall see on this point. We're speculating a little bit, but I would be really interested to to hear from um, you know, kind of the listeners in terms of how they think that this may or may not impact upon on their business. Um, you know, so to do get in touch, we'd we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, the usual email method, shoespeak hr at shoesmiths.co.uk. Um, and in the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you, Amy. Um, Thanks, as Andy. Ever. And we will look forward to, to speaking to you all soon.